Let me invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Psalms. Then we are also going to look at a passage that is in Joel, which I'm guessing is going to be harder for you to find. So that's about 10 books on past the book of Psalms. We're going to look at both of those this morning. Psalm chapter 65, and then in Joel we'll look at chapter 2. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders. When morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. And then flip over into the prophets and find the prophet Joel. We'll read there starting at verse 23. Let me get you get there. I hear pages turning. Joel's little. I know it's harder to find. So, all right. Chapter 2, verse 23. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Then we're going to skip the description of all the locusts and start at 26. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Well, we are continuing our look this year through the Psalms. And Psalm 65 is a psalm of thanksgiving. And we have heard other psalms of thanksgiving throughout the year. And so you would probably hear some of the similar themes that run through Psalm 65. Psalm 65 was, best we can figure, was written by David. And we know a lot about David. And David had several different jobs throughout his life. David was a shepherd, he was a warrior, and he was a king. We're not sure which he was when he wrote this psalm, but it seems to me that it may have been written when he was a shepherd. Because as I listen to the words and read the words of Psalm 65, it seems to me that David has eyes to see God, and he sees God in God's creation. He saw God in his surroundings, and he, sur he described the surroundings of nature with so much love and with such vivid detail. I just have to think that he wrote this when he was outside a lot, when maybe he was keeping those sheep on those, uh, at the land there and could see the beauty of God's land. He saw God's creation, and he loved it. And David also saw God as the hope of that creation. And he knew that God was the hope for those of us who live on his creation. We hear David expressing thanksgiving for God's goodness to him and for God's care of the land. And he saw that God cared for the land in very specific ways. He sends the rain, and the rain makes the grain to grow. And as the grain grows, the harvest can be brought in with much abundance because the grain grows and the crops grow so well. The grasslands and the hills and the meadows and the valleys all overflow with abundance. And they produce a harvest that is great and is enough to feed all that need it. And under God's care, that world continues to go, grow and the things work as they should. And in all of that, David saw God at work. David is thankful that his physical needs are met through God's creation, but he also is aware that God provides a spiritual harvest as well. Verse 5 again says, You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. David had eyes to see God in all his mystery and his power and his awesomeness. And he saw that a spiritual harvest was available to him as he lived in God's world. And it's also available to us. In the passage from Joel, we see another man who had eyes to see God and who saw hope in that. The words from Joel were written to them following a disaster. The land of Judah had been ravaged by locusts. You can go on YouTube and search locust swarm and see what that looks like. They swarm the land and eat everything in their sight. We have had water cover everything in our area. And there, they had locusts do that. The people were devastated by that disaster. But even then, Joel had eyes to see God. And he told the people to keep their eyes on God as well. 
He reminded the people that even in the disaster, that God was still in control. He reminded them that God sends rain for good harvest. He gave them hope in the promise that God would make up for everything that the locust had destroyed. He spoke words of hope with the word of assurance of God's presence, that they were not alone in the midst of their disaster. Verse 27 says, Then you will know that I am in Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. So hope that God was there in the presence. And also words of hope that God was still, would still be there in the future. The 28th and 29th verses, he gives this prophecy. And afterward, which means in time to come, after all this has passed, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joe saw and prophesied God's presence and work would continue on beyond them. And he knew that people in the future would see remarkable things, including a future where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We can hear Joel's prophecy on this side of history, on this side of the cross, and we understand that it was foreshadowing of the salvation that was to be found for people in Jesus Christ. And it was foreshadowing of the time that the Holy Spirit would pour out upon the people and the Word of God would go forth. And it was foreshadowing of the hope that was found in God's plan, not just today, but that would continue forever. David saw the abundance in God's creation and that a great harvest could be wrought. Joel saw a spiritual harvest for those who call on the name of the Lord. We saw that at Pentecost for the first time when the Holy Spirit came down upon the people. And on that day, that Pentecost day, many people received a real word of hope. They received hope for the forgiveness of their sins. And they received hope of a Savior who loved them, who cared for them, and who would meet their needs, both big and small. Now God is still bringing harvest and giving hope to people after disasters, whether it's natural disasters or whether it's just the disasters that occur in people's lives as life is lived. But you have to have eyes to see it. Last week, we heard stories of how God was at work after the hurricane and after the flood in big and in mighty ways. We heard the story of the Baptist men coming in and have some of them with us again in this service as well as we did earlier and the great work they do to feed people in times of crisis. We heard the story of a big wall that was built and protected the homes of people. We heard the stories of work being done at our property down at Branches where God worked in big ways as people brought things and things were distributed out. It is easy for us to see big things that happen and know that it's God. We get that. But I think it's also important that we have eyes to see that God is also in the small things. Because often we let those things just pass us by and don't connect the dots. 
And when we begin to connect the dots, we see that not only is God in the big things, he's also in the small things. There were amazing stories that we've heard that have come from the disaster relief efforts that have been taking place. And I wanted to share with you today some more of those stories. We often hear people say we don't get to hear enough about what people are doing and about how God is working in people's lives. So this morning, we're going to take some time and hear some more stories from individuals, stories of hope, and stories of God working in specific ways to meet needs. And in these things, we see God if we have the eyes to look. I've invited Amanda Willett and Annette Peary to come and share some stories that, of what they have experienced in the last couple of weeks through work they have done in helping in the disaster relief. Amanda's going to go first and then Annette. Okay, so it was about, well, tomorrow will be two weeks ago that um, five women, four children, and a Craig sat at lunch and decided <laughs> that um, God was placing something on our heart to help people in our community. Um, and from there, we said, we're going to open up branches, and we're just going to see what happens. Um, we made a post on Facebook, and we even gave it its own hashtag of packed branches. And by the next day, we should have changed that hashtag to packed branches. Because um, we just saw time after time after time, God just show up and give us exactly what we needed and what we didn't even know we needed. Um, so I want to give you some examples of what Michelle Maisie calls God winks. Um, but by the end of the week, we were like, he's not winking at us. He is yelling in our face of just trust me and ask me and I'll give it to you. Um, so here's a couple of God moments. Uh, we needed some canned goods. We made a post on Facebook. We said we need canned goods. And I would say, what was it, Heather? 15 minutes in a, in a flat. And I don't mean just one flat. Like 15 flats of canned goods showed up and the table was covered. Um, Jessica called us and said, I've got 100 people at a hotel who've been displaced um, or have been discharged from the hospital, but they need to stay here because they can't get home. And we said, we can feed 100 people. I just don't know how I'm going to get it there. Um, so I walked outside, and I'm walking up to Amy Andrews to say, Amy, here's the need. This is what we need to do. And um, someone showed up with a trailer, and we were like, okay, can we use your trailer? And he was like, Sure. Um, this same individual was dropping off the boxes that we had just posted about 15 minutes earlier that we needed boxes. He was our Apple man, and he just showed up with Apple boxes. Um, one morning we showed up, and there were boxes just left outside the door. We needed boxes, and they were there. Um, we had a family call and need stuff at the hotel, so um, we made, we'd make a list and give them what they needed. And the mom said, um, do you have anything for tooth pain? My husband broke his tooth during the hurricane. He broke his tooth during the hurricane. We don't have insurance. We can't get to a dentist. What do you want to do? And I thought, hmm, well, I'm not a dentist. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. But maybe we'll throw in some Tylenol, some ibuprofen. But when I walked up to the first aid table, there was one bottle of extra strength or gel um, for dental pain. So it was just that moment that you're like, I hear you, Lord. Um, our coffee story we had someone show up and say, oh, my family wants to give coffee to someone. We've got five gallons of coffee. Um, and Amy was like, we'll take it. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we'll take it. And at the same time, a lady was standing beside Amy on the phone and said, I've got a lady who needs coffee for the National Guard. Where can we get coffee from? So it, it was just moment after moment. These are just some small examples. Uh, we needed toothbrushes. The dental school showed up with 15 boxes of 100 toothbrushes. 
it was just, it was unreal. You would just um, ask for something or even think about it, and God showed up and gave it to you before you even had a chance um, to wait for it. These weren't days and hours and months we waited. It was minutes, so. So I had uh, very similar experiences to Amanda. In the week following Hurricane Matthew, as the floodwaters rose, God provided opportunities for me, just like he did many of you, um, that I never, ever expected. I thought I was going to catch up on my work that week. <clears throat> that still hasn't happened. Um, on the Wednesday after the rain had ended, my friend and co-worker Heidi Parker called me and she told me that her husband Greg, who I went to high school with, wanted, they wanted to borrow a cooker from someone and cook for some people. So I just nonchalantly said, well, we have a cooker you can borrow. We left it at that. They came to my house about 7.30 that night. Um, to look at the cooker, and just prior to that, my son Roger called me, he was at Branches, to say they had just learned that there were flood victims in hotels that needed food. So Heidi, Greg, and I quickly devised a plan that we would step out on faith and feed 200 people in local hotels the next night. We had a grill and a willing heart, and that was it. So they purchased the pork, someone else the plates and utensils, and we provided the grill, the house, and the condiments. And then I decided to rely on social media. And I created a sign-up genius page with exactly what we needed. I put the link on, for the sign-up on Facebook, and within a few hours, all the slots were full. In just 22 hours, the plan was made, food was collected, cooked, and packed in boxes, and by 5.30 p.m., delivered to those families in multiple hotels. After that night, Greg and Heidi indicated they really wanted to do this again, and I thought, you have lost your mind. Um, and then I said, the Baptist men are now in town. They're set up. Uh, they've got a food truck that's come in. I think they'll be able to handle it. So the following two nights, through Sign Up Genius via Facebook, teams were again mobilized to serve and deliver meals that were cooked by the Baptist men. On Saturday night, I really thought I had resigned from the food service industry. That is not my background. Until Jimmy Hughes sent me a text at about 10 p.m., and told me that they had found food was needed in other areas the next night, beyond what the Baptist men could provide with the food they currently had. Without thinking, I told her that we would make 200 plates for 200 people the next day, and I sent Heidi a text to let her know. I really thought I had lost my mind, and I wondered who in the world just made this commitment, and what have I done? So at about 10.30 p.m. on Saturday night, I sent out yet one more sign-up genius to help us provide food to make 200 plates to send out the next day. Again, the community came through and all the slots filled prior to noon on Sunday. So that night, we didn't have quite enough food to finish up some plates. On that afternoon, we ran out of potatoes. So someone who had been there on Thursday night said, hey, didn't somebody bring some potatoes in unopened cans the other night? And we went, oh yeah, that's right, they did. And I had saved them, we had laughed about that. And we had said, oh, well, you know, we'll just take them to the food pantry when all of this is over. So we opened those potatoes and we used them that night. So thank God, goodness, God goes ahead of us and he knew we were going to need those potatoes on Sunday night. And so we had not opened them until then. So 218 meals went out to people in Pitt and Green counties. Another God wink was related to boxes. 
I sent Beth an email last Sunday morning, and I asked her if she would please get someone from our Sunday school class to bring me all the empty boxes from the fellowship hall that we didn't use on Saturday night because we needed them to pack boxes of meals in. No one ever brought the boxes. I had picked up a few from branches that morning, and Greg and Heidi had saved all of their boxes from Saturday night when they delivered just in case. That was before they knew we were cooking on Sunday. So I got an email from Beth on last Sunday night apologizing that she had just seen my email and had not taken care of that. I told her not to worry. We had just the right number of boxes with only one left over. Coincidence? Probably not. I don't think so. There are really, these are really small things that I've mentioned, but God is in all things, big and small. He cares about everything that impacts us, and believe me, these small things made a big impact on many of us as we knew that God had planned it down to, right down to the number of potatoes and boxes we needed. In the New Living Translation, Psalm 65.5 reads, You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. God constantly and consistently answers our prayers with awesome deeds. Sometimes these awesome deeds involve stepping out on faith that he will provide, whether it's people, food, even potatoes. God allowed me to work with some awesome people to see the very best in people, people who are the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you, Amanda and Annette. Great stories of God doing great things, but you've got to connect those dots and recognize that it's God. I had asked one of our young people to share today too, because those young people worked for the last two weeks, um, particularly before they went back to school, obviously, just all day long, they worked hard. And one of them was going to speak this morning when we suddenly realized that the youth are gone on the youth retreat this weekend. So I went and talked on Wednesday night to Anna Morris, one of our young people, and asked her if she would just tell me a little bit about working down at Branches. And she told how much she enjoyed that, how much it meant to her to be able to help people because she had not been impacted by the flood and she was glad for the opportunity to help those who had been. She said that as the people came, they would um, take stuff out to them and have an opportunity to talk to those who were in need. She said they smiled together, they laughed together, and occasionally they cried together, and they always prayed together. She talked about how much she grew as she watched those people. She said when you would give them something that they needed, you could just see the hope in their eyes. And that is the word she used, not knowing what I was going to preach, hope. She could, you could see the hope in their eyes as God met their need through someone else. I asked Anna if she could tell me a couple of stories about specific times when God met those needs. And she told us about the toothpaste and the toothbrushes. You know, you can't give one, a family one toothbrush. You know, they had to have enough for everybody. So she shared that story. And then she shared the story with me about adult diapers. She said they got the word from over at the middle school, over at ACOC where the shelter was, that they needed adult diapers over there. Well, Anna's father works at the place that makes those, but the problem is it's over the river and it's flooded over there and they can't get to them. So once again, they went to Facebook and put the word out that they needed adult diapers. And in no time, a man pulled up with three boxes of adult diapers that had been located in his attic, just waiting to be taken somewhere, probably should have already gone somewhere, 
and um, were just sitting there, so he brought them. So they had those adult diapers that quick. Well, when she was telling me that story, I could not, I mean, just a little ding-ding went off in my head because I knew that those diapers came from my house. And I knew that that man who pulled up with those diapers was my husband. And I knew that those diapers had been intended for my dad 18 months ago. 18 months ago, or 20 months ago, right before he died, he was in the hospital in Smithfield. And his sitter walked down um, outside to switch over to the next girl coming. And another lady saw her and knew that she had been sitting with a patient. And she told my dad's sitter, she said, the man I was just, that I've been sitting with has just died, and we've got three boxes of diapers left. Do you think your patient would like to have those? And she said, yes, I'm sure we can make use of those. She said, I'll take them. So she put them in her car and then later transferred them to my car. Well, my dad never came home from the hospital. He, he was moved from the hospital to the nursing home, and within two weeks, he had died. And so those diapers had been sitting in my attic for 22 months. But God knew there was going to be a need for adult diapers. Now, is that not amazing? That gave me chills today that Anna and I were sitting there talking about that, and she was telling me her story, and I knew how it connected to that story. God really is in everything. He is at work in the details, in the big things and in the small things, if we just connect the dots and see how he works. In David's psalm, we saw through his spiritual eyes that God is the hope of the world. And through Joel's spiritual eyes, we looked into the future to see the day when God's spirit would be poured out on the earth. And we now live in that world. We live in that day. I want us to close with one last story from the flood recovery. I went down to branches midweek, the first week they were there, to see if there was anything that I could do. And at branches, I had a conversation with a mother who was working down there. She had been working for three days now and had her children with her, elementary-aged children. And they had helped and were carrying things, and they were also serving God by helping out down at Branches. The parent told me that, that she had told her children that day, you cannot go again. You have been down there three days. You're getting tired. You're getting cranky. It's just you need to stay home and get some rest. You cannot go with me uh, when I go today. And the children were not happy at that. They were not happy that the mother was not going to let them go again. So they stomped off to the bedroom as children are known to do on occasion. And in a little bit, that child came back. One of those children came back and handed the mother a note. And this is what that, that note said, written on a piece of paper with crayon. This is what it said. I really want to come with you because I want to serve in the hands and feet of Jesus no matter how hard or tiring it is. Now there's a child who sees God. There's a child who has been able to be in a place and heard the gospel preached and knows what it is to work with what Jesus is doing in this world and how that child can be the hands and feet of Jesus. That letter, that child's letter gives me hope as I continue to watch God at work in his harvest in this world. It shows that God does indeed continue to pour out his spirit on our sons and our daughters, the old and the young, just as Joel prophesied. 
It tells us that God is continuing to raise up people and is raising up another generation to work with him and to carry out his ministry in this world. And it tells us that God is still working through people and in people, and people are still paying attention. They're still listening and learning from the Holy Spirit. And there is still hope in this world because of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Many people I hear talking about the fact that they are worried about our world. Many Christians talk about that as well. And I think as children of God and as disciples of Jesus, we need to remember this passage from Psalm chapter 65, verse 5, that says, let us remember the words, I'm sorry, the words of Psalm 65, 5, you faithfully Answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth. Let us be people who have spiritual eyes to see God and to see him at work in his harvest in this world. And let us be people who speak words of hope, hope to the world of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. Let us be people of hope to those around us. Amen.